0: Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew. Yay. You believe in love at first sight? Sure, yeah. Our guest today, I fell in love with her and her husband just <laughs> to keep everything safe. <laughs> At first sight. There's just some people, you just look at them, and you just peer into their heart and their soul, and until they really mess you up or something. (laughs) Stephanie and Kevin Navinskis. He's not here. I don't know what he's doing. Probably working. We got his better half. Yeah, we certainly did. And he would agree with that, by the way. Although she might not. She (laughs) says things about her, Kevin, like my wife says about me. And I'm going... No, I'm not that good. The <laughs> old saying, I wish I was half the man my dog thinks I am. That's how she talks about Kevin. Welcome to the show, yeah. Stephanie. Thank you. Hey, we've never talked about this on the show ever, and I'm so glad that you're here for this. Mm-hmm. Although this isn't a big tech show, the tech guys over there. Mm-hmm. You're an expert in AI. Mm Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, she is. And so we've talked about it because all these emails I get all the time is, AI in church, and what are you going to do with this? If you're going to stick your head in the sand and ignore it and pretend like it's not there or it's ungodly or something like that? Mm -hmm. But all of my counterparts at other churches are going – wait a minute, it's a tool, and if we don't get into the conversation and we don't get into the the front of the thought, then we just get left behind. What do you think about AI, Steph?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting what I've seen in the Christian community with regards to AI. I've seen some people totally embracing it. I've seen a lot of people thinking it is straight from the pit of hell and mm-hmm, running right. as fast as they can in the other direction and really making sure to share with anyone who's not doing that right. that they're going in the wrong way. Right, right, right? and the Terminator
0: could come after us yeah, at any moment. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah. I think it's an the, the natural course of how the world continues to advance and grow. And you think back to when people rode horse and buggy and then all of a sudden the automobile came about, right? And the you're devil. supposed to sit in a box <laughs> on a pedal and it's supposed to go, or through the Industrial Revolution, or when the Internet became a mainstream thing, right? All of these big changes are natural things that happen as the world advances, as the human mind explores new avenues, right? right. I think definitely we have a big responsibility on our hands. Yeah. I think we have tons of opportunity to do incredible things with this technology. I think we also have to be careful and cautiously optimistic yeah. is the word I like to use.
0: Yeah, like fire and guns <laughs> and be careful. <laughs> and you talk to me. First of all, I'm going to have you define AI, give a little bit better explanation, and then what you do mm-hmm. for a living and as your passion. You and I were having a conversation and you wanted to explain AI and some of the ways it could be used in church as a church administrator, what kind of tool it was. And I think you said, I need an hour. And I said, I can give you 20 or 30 minutes. And we ended up talking, I think, for about an hour and a half Mm -hmm. because it was just so deep and rich. And then you showed me and it was insane. And um, then I tried to duplicate it again the next day myself and failed bitterly. (laughs) So there's a human element of interfacing with AI and using it for business or or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what is AI and why are you involved with it?
1: So I have always been an early adopter when it comes to technology. There's something about the way I'm wired. I think I like the excitement of new things. I think I crave opportunity and advancement and change. Mm -hmm. And it's something that has just shown up in my life since I can ever remember. Mm -hmm. So like when the internet was first becoming mainstream, I was like on the cusp of that. When wireless was first becoming mainstream, I was right on the cusp of that, right? So this is just another one of those things. I like new. I like exploring the unknown. I like seeing what the possibilities are and testing things and pushing limits and saying, how far can we take this for good? Yeah. And what do we need to be aware of? And
0: you being on the front line, that helps Mm -hmm. your customers. So talk about what you do for a living and how you help. People.
1: I have a marketing agency, and what we do is we help companies really clarify their messaging and their marketing strategy to make it so they can get more customers and do more good things in the world. And AI is a tool that we use to make things more efficient, to make things more robust, and to streamline processes and to refine the way that things are communicated. Because I've been a copywriter for 28 years. That has always been a line item under what I do at work, whether I was employed or whether I was running the company that I'm running now, which is mine. As a copywriter, I've always been a master, my job is to be a master of the words, right? And to put the words together in a way that's compelling and persuasive and encouraging and all of that good stuff. When AI came along, at first, the message that was being circulated was this is going to replace you copywriters. Nobody needs a copywriter anymore. What I quickly learned is that this is a tool, not a replacement. Mm-hmm. And I am of the belief that we live in a world that should be powered by AI and perfected by HI, mm-hmm. meaning human intelligence. Human, yeah.
0: Okay, that makes sense. But let me ask you this. How did you start your journey with Jesus? How did that part of your life start?
1: Mm, Good question. So when I was in junior high, I uh, was invited to something called Pioneer Girls.
0: That sounds cool.
1: And it was through a a kid that I went to school with, and her mom was really involved in it. And so I started going to this Pioneer Girls Club, and it it was like Girl Scouts at the church, basically. And I went to that for a couple of years, and then when I was in eighth grade, I went to a camp. And I had always heard about Jesus. I grew up going to a Lutheran church, but the one that we attended was very much a, it's like you're an American, therefore you're a Lutheran, and you go to church on Sundays. And that was where it ended. And I went to this camp, and this was the first time that I really heard about Jesus. I became a Christian when I was 14. And been, now I'm old, so I don't want to say. <laughs> it's been a long time.
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. You and Kevin, I want to know how you met and everything, and I want to let everybody know who's listening. A big chunk of them go to foothills, not everybody. Mm -hmm. But you guys are starting a home group, right?
1: We are. That's coming up. So
0: this is definitely one that people should be looking for if they're not already in some kind of home group, because home group is critical to your growth, those relationships and everything. And he is a master worship leader, and you guys have so much hospitality. So do you know when and where you're going to be at?
1: We don't have the details firmed up yet.
0: We'll put it in the show notes when we get it, or, you know, like I said, give them phone numbers so they can contact you. But how did you and Kevin meet? Was he a Christian when you met him?
1: So, yes, he was a Christian when I met him. We were actually set up on a blind date by two people who were not Christians, which is funny, (laughs) You're Christians, you'll do fine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, the story goes like this. My best friend at the time had said, I met this guy, you need to meet him. She had never tried to set me up with anybody ever before, and I said, Why? Who is this? Where is this coming from? And she goes, Oh, his name is Kevin. And I said, What do you know about him? And she goes, I I don't know. I don't know. He's like you. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, What does that mean? And she said, He's religious. And I'm like, uh, okay, is he Buddhist? Is he Muslim? Is he like, (laughs) what are you talking about? And she goes, seriously, I don't know. He's just, he's like you.
0: That's (laughs) so good.
1: And so I heard he's like me enough times, and she kept badgering me for probably a month. And finally, she's, come on, let me set you up. Let me set you up. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go out with some guy I've never met. Anyways, long story short, finally, it was Cinco de Mayo was rolling around, and she said, look, there's going to be like 30 of us that are going to get together in Old Town. Will you come with 30 other people and meet him? (laughs) And I said, that's okay. I'm all right with that. And so I went to this Cinco de Mayo gathering, and it was very crowded in Old Town, as you can imagine, because of the holiday. And we were waiting in line for a long time. There were no seats anywhere. And I noticed this guy... In the other part of the restaurant that was still part of our group every time a girl showed up he would stand up and he would say here take my chair (laughs) and i noticed him doing this over and over again i was like wow that guy's classy (laughs) (laughs) and and eventually he came over to me and he said hi my name is kevin anyways i was on my way my first trip to europe that i had planned and i was leaving like a week later And he had lived in Italy. And so he said to me, okay, can I show you like some slides and stuff and show you where you need to go? This is like, it sounds like caveman days. Can I show you my slides? I know, really, I (laughs) know. But that's what it was. And I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, Anyways, I ended up going to Europe, and I was in Italy at the Trevi Fountain, went to the Trevi Fountain, and that night went to sleep and had a dream that he proposed to me (laughs) and freaked myself out because I didn't even know his last name.
0: And I was Uh, like,
1: what is this?
0: (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. And how far longer in the future was it that he proposed?
1: We ended up getting engaged about a year and a half into our relationship, and then we got married Two years and 15 days after we met.
0: And one of the things that I really see that you and Kevin are alike in is that you both own your own businesses. Mm-hmm. And I know what that means. I've owned my own business. Sometimes when the book stops with you, things can be hard. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed your faith in God's going to provide. Mm-hmm. I've prayed for both of your businesses individually mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. So how does God integrate into your business? And what have you seen him do?
1: What have I not seen him do? Let's see. How does God integrate into our business? Every day, it is a faith journey. Every day, because God will open the door for new business, or he'll close the door for new business. He'll open the door for these employees, and he'll close the door for other employees. There's seasons for everything, right? I think Kevin and I both very strongly prioritize our relationship with the Lord with regards to our business, and are constantly looking to him as truly the CEO of our companies. And Mm. I'm like, okay, you're the CEO. Yeah, it says that on LinkedIn that I am, but we all know who really the CEO is, right? Definitely not
0: silent partner,
1: <laughs> and just constantly. I think I pray about four thousand times every day, little breath prayers yeah. <laughs> throughout the day. Even this morning, I had a call with a brand new client, and we're talking about some big plans. And I'm like, "Okay, Lord Jesus, show up." This client's not a Christian; their company is not doing anything in the faith space. But this is my mission. This is where I have been planted at this time to show up for this woman and her team and see what we can do together. And so I'm like, okay, Jesus, just fill me up and let your words be mine.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you. One of the conversations that I've had with my son, Matt, who is a businessman, and he's doing great and very bright, one of the things... As a Christian's testimony, Mm -hmm. do great work. Mm -hmm. Do really good work. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're excellent at what you do. Mm -hmm. Because what we don't need is more people go, yeah, you look like a Christian. And they don't mean it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that with business owners especially. So do good work. And number two, live a life that compels people to ask you questions. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that you've gone through, you had huge tragedy in your life. Mm-hmm. And part of your witness and your testimony is first of all to be real in tragedy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a real thing. You don't say minimize it. Mm-hmm. it it's horrible. And then people are watching. Mm-hmm. They're, oh, they're are watching for yeah. sure. So why don't you go through that story so people understand what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah. So we adopted a boy from um, an orphanage in Ukraine right before his 14th birthday. It was never something that we had planned on. We weren't one of those couples that was like, we're going to adopt, that's what we're going to do. We felt like we had other things that we were supposed to be doing. This kind of came out of nowhere. Literally, I was on Facebook one night, I couldn't sleep well. I was just like half asleep scrolling. And I saw a picture of this boy come on my Facebook feed. I said, this boy wants to come to America for Christmas. Would you consider opening your home? I don't know if it's because I was so sleepy or what, but I saw it and I was like frozen in time. And then I just started weeping for this boy. And I was like, oh my word. Okay. Anyways, looked into that. One thing led to another. He ended up coming to visit us and then we ended up adopting him. And it's a big, long story on how that happens, but we did it. And So he came home shortly before his 14th birthday. At first, it was unicorns and rainbows. We were so excited and so hopeful. I can tell you honestly, looking back, that I was pretty naive. I thought if we just loved him enough, it was going to push the reset button. And all the pain, all of the trauma that he had been through in the first 14 years of his life would wash away. It doesn't quite work that way. Hmm. After the quote unquote honeymoon period went away, we started to see the trauma showing up in different ways. It was real and it was gnarly and it was hard. But then there were little sprinklings of hope in the midst of it and healing. And so it was just this little, almost like when you look at a heartbeat graph and it goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. That's what it felt like. Fast forward to four years later, we found out that he had committed a violent crime. It was horrifying, terrifying, overwhelming, and so sad, and all of the feelings learning this, we were in a position where we had to make a decision, and we knew that we needed to alert the police to what had happened. So we went to the police, and he ended up getting arrested, and he was obviously removed from our home and went into juvenile hall, eventually charged with two felonies. Wow, it was a lot. He was in custody for, I think it was two years. I'll tell you the honest truth. It gets very fuzzy in my brain, the I details. I forget the little details, but it was about two years that he was in custody. During that time, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, Stephanie, do not abandon him right now, because that is what every adult has done. Mm-hmm. Every adult has abandoned him. That is what he thinks adults do. So you have to go see him. And I've never smoked a cigarette. I don't do anything wrong. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) so going to juvenile hall and going through that whole thing, that was a whole new world to me. And it was a scary world. But I just really felt like the Lord saying, you have to show up. So I would push myself to go. Kevin and I couldn't leave at the same time because we had other little kids at home. So I would go by myself. Sometimes when I would arrive, he would give me a big hug and we would have a soft conversation and he would be somewhat repentant. I wouldn't say completely repentant from my perspective. Only God knows, but somewhat repentant. And it would seem like there was some healing happening, right? And the next time I would go... And he would be so angry with Mm. me. I had betrayed him at the highest level by calling the police. So we did that dance for a couple of years, and then he got released. At the time that he was released, he was in a very angry stage. He was very angry, very angry with me, which come to find out, I didn't know at the time, but come to find out, it's a very normal thing when a child has been abandoned That whoever the new mother figure is gets assigned the sins of the original mother.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Okay? So
1: there's almost like a built-in resentment that no matter what you do, this is going to follow you. But then we also had the fact that I did turn him into the place and I wasn't going to lie to him. I'm like, yes, I did. I did do this. Right? I had to do this. You put me in a position where I had to do this. He got out, he was in a very angry stage at this point, and honestly, really scaring me. I didn't feel like it was safe for him to have any sort of way to access our other children. So I had to get a restraining order against him, which was just psycho, because we jumped through hoops of fire to adopt this boy. What we jumped through to get him, and then what we jumped through to make sure that he couldn't have contact. Yeah. It was like polar opposites. My prayer the whole time was, Jesus, heal this, fix this, heal this. There were many days walking through this when I didn't see a path toward it being healed. And then there were days where I desperately cried out to the Lord and said, "Yeah, all of that. And then one day, I actually had gone out shopping for the first time in a long time. It was like my first me time in a while. While I was out, my husband called and I picked up the phone and he was crying and I said, what is going on? And he said, Yvonne's dead. And I, (laughs) yeah, he was shot by somebody. We don't know who shot him still to this day. We don't know what the motive was. We don't know what happened. I didn't get the sense from the detective that they had any information, any leads on anything. But I did know that Yvonne was in a very dark and angry place at that point in his life. And the call that we got came from the county coroner he had been dead for 3 days at that point.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And we had no idea. We don't watch the news. Come to find out it was all over the news. And we have a last name that's like kind of unique, so it's not like Jones or something. Yeah. And
0: It's crazy nobody called you.
1: Um yeah. Yeah. So the county coroner called us and we were asked to come down and identify the body. I couldn't do it. So my very brave husband did it, and yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's not an easy story to tell or relive, and Mm -hmm. I appreciate you doing it. I know when Sylvia and I have got to know you and Kevin and and realized that we had shared some really hard tragedy Mm -hmm. in our lives, and I know what you said when we talked about sharing this story, is you want God to make beauty out of these ashes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What have you learned since then or, or through the process about how you can help people who are listening right now who have either either going through that kind of situation, they're in the middle of it, mm-hmm. or they maybe even have considered just giving up their faith and giving up their hope because of horrible situations. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to encourage them or what you experienced?
1: Yeah. I think I would say the same thing that my husband, now you guys are going to know why I love this man so much, (laughs) the same thing that he said to me during the darkest days, and this was the darkest days from when he got arrested, and we were dealing with all of that, to after his death, Kevin and I would go on walks most evenings, and we would talk about this. I would usually cry, and sometimes he would cry. He just looked at me over and over again and said, Steph, the story's not over. The story's Mm. not over. And he must have said that 15 billion times. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah. And every time I felt like, especially after he passed away, I was like, the story's over now, Like, in my anger, which I think is you love the Lord, you have faith, But sometimes your anger still gets the best of you, right? Yeah,
0: and you read through the Bible, David, the prophets, anger is some of how we're made up and just genuine and authentic.
1: Yeah, and there were times when I would literally just be like, it is over now, okay? It is. He's dead. So what could possibly happen? One thing I didn't mention with all of this is that we had been looking for a new church, and it was three weeks before we found out that Yvonne had committed this crime when we attended Foothills.
0: Hmm.
1: And we went to Foothills, and we were like, it was the first time we had checked out some different churches, and nobody could agree. Like, people are, one person would like it and the other person wouldn't like it and whatever. And so we kept looking for the church that we felt was supposed to be our home, and Foothills was the first church That afterwards, the whole family got into the car. We're like, what did you think? What did you think? What did you think? And everyone said, I loved it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did I preach in that weekend? Oh, no, I don't (laughs) preach. (laughs) That's awesome, though. I'm
1: I'm sure you had a major role in it. (laughs) I honestly don't remember who was teaching that week. That would be funny to go back in time and figure that out. But there's something that I wanted to share that was truly really miraculous through all of this. Okay, so we're at this church. We don't really know anybody. My husband knew of a man that he knew through work that went here. I had a friend who had gone here for a long time, but she was getting ready to move away. So we we were newbies. We yeah. didn't know anybody. Three weeks in, we find out this has happened. And Kevin and I are beyond broken, absolutely shattered by this information and the circumstances. And we came to this church, and it was the first time we had gone to a church where at the end of the service they said, come forward for prayer. And of course, we ran up. And we're like, hey, we don't know these people at all. And there was no holding back. At that point, the devastation was so overwhelming. their tears, uncontrolled tears and just broken and raw. And we're just like, okay, here it is. Yeah. Here it is, strangers. And this church, I still <laughs> – see the hair standing yeah, up on my arms? I do. I still get chills to this day because I remember literally going up for prayer. I wish I could remember the angels who prayed for me <laughs> that day because – If you remember it and you're listening, I cannot thank you enough. I don't know who they were. I remember there being literally a whole circle of people around me and my knees buckled out from under me. I was weeping so hard. I literally was falling down and they were holding me up. And they were holding me up and they were praying and praying and praying over me. And I had never felt love like that in the church at that level. I had never felt that, even though I had been Christian for a long time at that point. And it was life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And I made a decision that day. I'm like, if I ever get out of this dark place, I'm going to be working up at that prayer ministry, (laughs) right? Right And I'm like, I'm going to do that. And so fast forward to today. And I get to do that. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's rad. Yeah. I love it. I remember going through one of the hardest times in my life, and there's a song about going through the valley, mm-hmm. the shadow of death. And I, to me, it seems as though when the Lord grants you grace and mercy in, in harsh circumstances, as you get through... Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do exactly what you just said. You help the next person through Mm -hmm. because you comfort with the comfort that you received. I mean, I've done a lot of memorials, and that is one of the number one verses. And when we're talking about, okay, we're all sent. We're sent to share Jesus. We're sent to complete His mission, to continue it and everything. Mm -hmm. Those Christians holding you up, literally holding you up Mm -hmm. and praying for you and ministering to you, Mm -hmm. that's just flat-out love. That is That's what we're Jesus. called to do. It is. Yeah. It's it what he Jesus. did to us yes, and he is. taught us what to do. And every Christian can take that away if we're not too busy yeah. or if we're not too self-absorbed. Yeah. That's just really critically important. Like with Sylvia, you being able to share this in real language and real emotions really can minister to people those that are oh, far yeah. from god oh, and those yeah. that are grappling with god right yeah. so that's just the that story is not over no.
1: no the story is not over the story is never over god has shown me over and over again how he shows up for us all the time he shows up for us and the little things he shows up for us and the big things And when He says He's near to the brokenhearted, He means Mm, it. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, He means it if you're willing, if you're open to receiving it. I literally would have visions where I would feel like the Lord's arms were wrapping around me and cradling me like a little baby, because I am His daughter. And He would cradle me like a little baby and just hold me close and make me feel safe and make me feel like, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And I believe that it's amazing watching (laughs) who the Lord brings to me on Sundays to pray for. (laughs) Because every time I go up, I just look at the room and there's a, a bunch of people. There's a bunch of people I could go up to. And I'm just, okay, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And God leads me to somebody. And I kid you, not every single time I get someone in front of me, their prayer request is something I have walked through. Something I have walked through. And I am like, okay, Lord, You tell us You allow us to suffer trials of many kinds so that we can comfort others. And there's been a lot of trials in my life, a lot of trials in a lot of people's lives, but I have two life verses. That's one of them. And I feel like God has allowed me to experience some pretty significant trauma in different levels because it has developed a compassion that sometimes as well-meaning as people are, if they haven't experienced something, they can't connect with you at the same level, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the people that I get the honor of praying with, there's like an immediate connection. And I'm like, I got you, babe. I got you. Yeah. Really, it's beautiful. That is part of the beauty after the ashes. Yeah.
0: I want you to do what... You're anointed to do like mm-hmm. you do on the weekend services. I'd just like you to pray for the person who is listening right now, who needed to hear this, and who God wants to use your testimony to just minister to them. So, yeah. would you pray?
1: Yeah. Dear Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for allowing me to suffer trials of many kinds so that I can comfort others. Lord God, I, there was a time when I never thought I would be thanking you for the trials. But Jesus, I see how you use it. I see how you use it for good. And so, Jesus, I want to pray for anyone who's listening, who's going through a time where they feel like their story might be over for whatever reason, or they're just not seeing the hope for the future. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would break through and show them how close you are to them in their brokenheartedness. Jesus, I pray that you would fix their mind on what is good and true and lovely and noble and praiseworthy. You tell us, Jesus, to take all of our thoughts captive. And I pray that you would help every single person that's listening to this who's really struggling, battling with their mind, battling with the thoughts that come in. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would uh, help them to take those thoughts captive and that you would change the way that they're thinking and that you would give them the self-control to recognize when they're being a victim of their thoughts versus a victor. Jesus, I I believe you make beauty out of ashes. I've seen you do it so many times. And I know you want to make beauty out of ashes for every single one of us, Jesus. Jesus. And so I ask you to just be close to those people who are hurting today, Lord God, and let them trust and believe that you will make beauty out of ashes yeah. and that you are working and you have not forgotten them and that you are there and you are walking with them during their difficult time, Lord Jesus. And I pray for total and complete healing and put them in a position where they can be up front paying, praying for others too. Mm-hmm. Because you're a good God, and you work all things for good of those who love him. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen.